Hello, hello, hello. So who knew there can be up to 27 hormone disrupting chemicals in mainstream period products? It's a really shocking fact that not many people are aware of, considering you're putting period products in or near your body every single month. However, Ridey period products, on the other hand, contain zero bleach, toxins or harmful chemicals. And I'm absolutely delighted to announce that Riley are sponsoring my podcast this month. Riley is an Irish female founded period care subscription service for 100% organic cotton products. They believe you've got the right to know exactly what you're putting into your body every month, which is exactly why they started this business. They also don't want to lock you into anything, which is why you can cancel and reactivate your subscription at any time. No strings attached. And they've kindly given me a discount code for 15% off your first three months of period products. Simply head to their website, www.wearereilly.com, and you can use the code SHANE15, S-H-A-N-E-1-5, and get your eco-period products conveniently delivered to you and when you need them the most. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So today's episode is a really good episode. I think it's going to help an awful lot of people, and that's why I wanted to get Amanda on. So today's guest is Amanda Nybert. So Amanda is a registered dietitian specializing in weight loss, nutrition, She's also a fitness enthusiast and a mom of two as well. And with over nearly 20 years experience helping thousands of people reach their goals, I think it's important to dissect what kind of information is out there. And one of the main things that we spoke about with Amanda was in relation to a TED talk that Amanda did in 2021. I'm going to just link that up into the show notes for you. And in that, which is a topic of the episode, is you talk about the number one reason why diets fail. We talk about how to change that all or nothing mindset, the might as well thinking, the power of the reset, the 80-20 approach. Is it that dieters fail or is the diets fail people? We talk about does mindset become for dieting and in relation to the C word, the dirty C word and not the one you think. And then we need we also talk about the, the, the importance of values along the way. So it's a really, really good episode. It's a very mindful episode. There are elements. And what I loved about this chat was we we had a discussion about something. It was kind of like, I thought there was one element of it that we may disagree on and that's okay. So we dissected that a little bit more. We dug into it a little bit more and be interested to hear, hear your thoughts on it, on where it was kind of information around the scales and stuff. So I hope you, hope you guys enjoy the episode with Amanda Nybert. Amanda, how are we? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. The first podcast guest I've had from Kentucky or living in Kentucky everywhere else has been like new york or it's been over the other side of the the country as well so thank you so much for coming on um so whoever isn't aware of who you are or what you do can you give us a little bit of a quick synopsis of why we're having you this chat today absolutely so um my name is amanda nybert i'm a registered dietitian with a passion for health and wellness um i worked in a clinical setting a hospital for nearly 20 years and um, about five years ago, kind of branched out into this online space. And really what I have, what I came to realize, you know, working um, in the clinical space is that people are just overwhelmed. They're confused. They don't know what to believe. There's so much um, conflicting information out there about nutrition um, that, you know, really my biggest approach when I jumped in the online space was just to simplify it you know, simplify nutrition for weight loss, um, get people focused on foundational work, because I think building a strong foundation is key to health and wellness. And ultimately, you know, really diving into the all or nothing mindset, 
which I feel like is one of the biggest reasons why people struggle with um, consistency. And that was the topic of your TED Talk in May 2021, I think is when it was released. Mass congratulations on doing that's a huge achievement to get a TED Talk. Thank you. Yes, um, big list. And it was a title, you talk about the number one reason why dieters fail. I know that's kind of coming up an awful lot in conversations. I'm having a, a lot with clients and people who are coming on the podcast. What is the number one reason why you think that the dieters fail? Well, I mean, it, just exactly what I said. It's the all or nothing mindset. It's the, you know, um, thought process that you have to be perfect to be successful. And, you know, if you can't be perfect, then, you know, I'm going to do nothing at all. It's the process of starting and stopping. Um, it's the process of looking for the next quick fix, you know, the next latest diet craze or, you know, program out there. Um, and re and not understanding that, you know, true long-term weight loss and, you know, wellness is really about doing very small things um, consistently. And, um, you know, being able to repeat those habits over and over um, and finding, you know, things that work for your lifestyle, because not one diet approach is best for everybody, you know, and not one exercise program is best for everybody. So it's really kind of evaluating, you know, what does your lifestyle look like and, and what healthy habits can you fit in consistently? I've had a conversation with a couple of kind of dietitians and nutrition so the last kind of couple of weeks regarding is it people that fail diets or is it diets that fail people I'd be interested to hear your thought on that um i definitely think that diets fail people you know i think that we make eating healthy extremely complicated um we are all about talking about everything that we can't do or shouldn't do versus you know looking at health and wellness as all the things we can do um, you know, I believe that we have, uh, for the past five decades, um, created nutritional guidelines based on the restriction and exclusion of certain macronutrients. Um, you know, first it was um, fat in 1977 when the first food guide pyramid came out. It was all about, you know, fat's bad for you, you know, eat low fat. Fast forward to today, and it's all about carbs. Carbs are bad for you. Eat low carb. And I think that what we fail to understand or, you know, people fail to realize is that for decades, for centuries, we ate a balanced diet. You know, we ate a diet that included all macronutrients. It's just kind of understanding the portions and, you know, the, the ratios in which we should be consuming those. So, I mean, that's definitely my approach. All foods fit. Um, and getting people to understand that, you know, you don't have to omit, you know, carbs to be successful and you don't have to completely omit fat and you don't have to eat keto. You know, it's really just about finding that balance. So, again, back to your question. Absolutely. You know, nutritional guidelines are failing, you know, people. Do you see it improving at all in the next or the last little while with kind of the next generation in schools and stuff? Or I'm not sure what it's like over there compared to over here, but do you see it improving at all? Um, man, I hope so. You know, uh, it's going to be really hard. I know in the United States, you know, big food, you know, they have yeah. the money, they make the rules. And that's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, we we struggle in the United States with the fact that, you know, a lot of American companies are shipping healthier food to, you know, Europe across, you know, um, the, the water because uh, you know, Europeans demand, 
you know, better food quality. Um, and there's, you know, government o- oversight on that types of stuff, which in the U.S., we don't, you know, we allow a lot of crap to be put in our food. So um, I think it's going to take some time. Um, I think we are also in a lifestyle of really fast pace and convenience over here in the United States. Um, cooking is a lost art. Uh, you know, people just don't cook. You know, everything is about packaged, convenience, fast food, restaurants. And I guess until that changes or until the food that we consume outside the home or processed food, you know, improves, it's going to be hard. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm not I'm not someone who overly enjoys cooking. I find it more of a kind of like a burden, but it's 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 the process at the end that I enjoy. So I, I can relate to people saying that they don't have time or whatever. It's not like they don't have time. It's just that it's maybe not something that you value. And that's kind of the way to wear it. And there's different options. If someone was to come to you of kind of like a two or three step guide of how to get rid of the all or nothing mentality that they may have around, around food, where would you start? What were the, the two or three tools that you would kind of bring in with them or talk to them about? So, I mean, basically, you know, I feel like that there are three main pillars that can help you break the all or nothing mindset. All right. Number one is the 80-20 approach. Um, And again, that kind of comes back to this um, progress, not perfection. You know, this mindset that you have to be all in 100% in order to be successful. And, you know, 80-20, I think, is what we aim to work towards. But some people may start their journey at 50-50. And that's not a bad place, you know? I mean, take, for example, you know, maybe your step goal. You know, maybe your goal is to get 8,000 steps a day. But maybe you only do it 50% of the time, you know, in a 30-day period. So 15 days a month, you got, you know, uh, 8,000 steps. And the other, you know, 15 days, you got 5,000. Well, then the next month, I want you to get 51%. You know, I want you to get 16 days where you got, you know, your step count and and only, you know, 14 days that you didn't. So, again, looking at kind of your ratio of where you are with regards to your habits and building on that and kind of working up to 80-20. I feel like 80-20, 70-30 is really what it takes to make progress forward. Um, I think a lot of times when you're doing 50-50, 60-40, maybe even 70-30, that's a little bit more of a maintenance, you know, um, kind of a, a ratio there. Um, but, you know, that's um, step number one is, you know, kind of quantifying your effort. And I really love to use a habit tracker. Um, I actually have a free habit tracker you can download on my website um, and actually quantify your effort. You know, write out three or four goals, you know, 8,000 steps a day, you know, 64 ounces of water a day. Um, you know, eight hours of sleep a a night and check off, you know, give yourself a gold star every day. And at the end of the month, you know, actually quantify your effort. I think a lot of people get to the end of the month and they're like, man, I worked really hard and I didn't see any results, but then they go back and they quantify their effort. And it's like in their mind, they thought they worked really hard, but on paper, they were 60, 40. You know, Um, so no wonder they didn't make progress. Um, I think the other way to really look at this is sometimes you get to the end of the month and you're like, man, I worked really hard and I didn't make any progress. And maybe you look at your habit tracker and you realize, yes, you hit your goals for, you know, six of your habits. 
but there's one habit you didn't hit your goal. You were way off. And maybe that's the one thing holding you back. Maybe it's sleep. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's stress. You know, maybe it's something that you weren't really thinking that was important to your journey. But now you pinpointed that that may be the most important thing for you to focus on. Um, So I love, number one, the 80-20 approach, you know, breaking that all or nothing mindset. Number two is dropping the might as well thinking. And this is a really big one. So let me give you an example. You walk into work Friday morning and there's a box of hot, fresh donuts and you try really hard to resist because donuts do not currently align with your health and wellness goals. Um, But you end up having a few, maybe one, two, maybe you have three. Uh, For so many people after that event, it triggers the might as well thinking. Well, might as well have, you know, um, nachos for lunch and pizza and beer for dinner because I've already blown it. And because it's Friday for others, it's might as well eat like an asshole all weekend and start fresh on Monday. Um, This is the mindset that you must shift because two, three donuts first thing in the morning did not make or break your progress. You have the ability to, you know, reset and correct yourself for the rest of the day. It's ultimately what you chose to do after the donuts that did. So um, I always say, if you find yourself at the end of a meal that doesn't align with your current health and wellness goals, learn to reset immediately. Learn to make the next meal count. You know, learn to get back on track, not tomorrow, not Monday, but as soon as possible. So that's number two. And then number three is simply always do something. You know, again, I mean, I think that January is a very um, prime example of when, you know, people jump all in, you know, it's kind of the easiest time to, you know, reset and, and, you know, dialing your health and wellness because everybody's doing it. Um, But then maybe, you know, February rolls around and, and something happens, you know, maybe you lose your job, maybe you get sick, maybe someone else gets sick. Something I call it, uh, you know, a barrier to success. Something pops up that causes you to not be able to completely focus on your health and wellness. And for so many people, you know, those types of events, they are like, well, I can't get to the gym this week and I can't get my steps in. So I might as well eat like an asshole. You know, it's like if there are a couple of things that, you know, you can't do. So because of those things, you feel like it's not worth doing anything when in reality, you always want to do something. You can never completely take a break from your health and wellness. Um, So even when you're feeling overwhelmed and off track, I always say start with something. Pick one goal, focus on it, you know, download the habit tracker, track that one goal after a week or two, as that becomes more effortless, add another You know, again, I think a lot of people, um, they wake up on Monday and they say, I'm going to do these 10 things to get myself healthy. And, you know, by Tuesday evening, you know, they've already like fallen off track with five of them. And so, you know, they feel like a failure. It's like, look at me, I can't do it. Well, you know, no lie. You just set yourself up for failure by, you know, making yourself do 10 different things. So um, number three is always do something. I really like that always do something. I think that for me would be a walk and that's probably where I just even get a glass of water in the next morning. It's just kind of something, something doesn't have to be like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It doesn't have to be. I think it's small, starting small. The might as well thinking is huge as well. And the 80-20 rule, I really like the idea of 
that could be a starting point of 50 50 for someone and then to get closer to your goal you bring it a little bit more orientated that way and the habit tracker is huge i know i remember reading something about jerry seinfeld when he was trying to write a show he used to cross off x's onto his calendar so by the end of 30 days he had to have loads of x's all over his calendar as a way that he wrote new jokes so he'd be able to have new material and that was his way it was quite a visual representation but it's a way of getting rid of procrastination as well do you think the the kind of all or nothing approach is something that is taught to us or do you think it's a learned skill that we have skill is the wrong word but you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i mean you know i think this notion of perfection is absolutely what is presented in media and social media and you know all these things i mean everyone makes it look like their life is perfect and you know you should be able to make your life perfect too um but in reality nobody's perfect so you know, I think people try to live up to these standards. Um, and again, that's what they think it takes. But in reality, it's just about being 1% better every single day. And and I think that a lot of people, you know, look at health and wellness goals, you know, nutritional guidelines and all of these things. And they're so far from those standards that again, it it, it sets them up for failure. Um, I love to use the step count as, as you know, an example. It's like everyone says 10,000 steps a day, 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. And, you know, for someone who's only walking 3,000 steps a day, you know, to make a goal to walk 10,000 steps a day, it feels like Mount Everest, you know, it's impossible. So when people understand that, you really have to start where, you know, I, I'm all about meeting my clients where they are. Like, where are you right now? And then what small changes can we make to move you forward? So if you're averaging 3000 steps a day, I want you to average four, you know, let's do that for the next three or four months and let's make that easier. And then I want you to average five. So um, I think, you know, learning to manage the all or nothing mindset is probably one of the hardest things that people do with regards to creating consistency, you know? And I, this is my, you know, tagline, perfection leads to failure, consistency leads to results. And where people are lacking, it doesn't matter what diet you follow, it doesn't matter what exercise plan you do, they all work. The reason why they stop working for you is because you stop doing them consistently. So it's, it's the other dirty C word that people don't like, uh, which is, yeah. Do you think if someone was looking to start to lose weight whatever diet they choose or whatever method they choose do you think the mindset comes first before dieting or do you think that it's kind of like you diet your way out of a kind of a poor relationship or mindset around food oh the mindset is absolutely key you know if you don't focus on that first and foremost you will continue to ride the diet roller coaster you will continue to look for the next quick fix you will continue to start and stop you know, all those things. And and I don't know when this podcast is going to air. You know, we are um, filming this in September. And what I am tell me, telling people right now is you have, what, October, November, and December. You have three months till the end of the year. And what if you focus on your mindset? What if you focus on consistency, not weight loss, not, you know, a certain diet, 
But what if you list three or four things to learn to be consistent with over the next three months and and make them things that, you know, again, are impactful, like a step count, you know, like taking a walk, like um, adequate fluid, like, you know, eating more vegetables or, you know, sleep, stress management, you know, something very simple like that. And if you focus on creating better consistency with those habits over the next three months, then when you're ready to actually start, like to dive in in January, you're going to be in such a better place and you're going to see such better results because you already have this kind of foundational work that you've been working on. Um, so again, I think with regards to that mindset, you know, it's a, it's a really powerful time to work on mindset because it's kind of a hard time to work on weight loss, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I really like that that kind of ideology of kind of like use the last kind of quarter of the year kind of coming up to Christmas because the Christmas can feel almost like a test for people of like where they're like where they're kind of like they almost use willpower or like a resilience of kind of like I can't have this. I can't. Well, you can have this. It's two weeks out of the whole year where you're probably haven't seen your family for two or three years or four years because of COVID and stuff. So I think it's important to kind of potentially work on that mindset. But that's not sexy. No. That's no. really not well, sexy. No, no. And here's the deal. I always tell people losing the weight is the easy part. Keeping it off is the hard part. Yeah. Because the, here's the challenge. Maintenance requires a lot of effort. And so when you're putting forth all this effort and you're not making progress, it feels like what's the point, you know? But the point is maintenance. Um, and I think so many people use December as might as well, you know, yeah. I mean, December turns into not a day of might as well. It turns into a month of might as well. So what if your only goal through December is to focus on your reset? You know, you go, you have a big holiday meal, you have a big holiday brunch, you know, so your goal in December is your ability to learn to reset after these off meals. I mean, man, if you, if you focus on that and you find success in that, that's going to carry you, you know, tenfold through the rest of your life. Um, so again, it, it's like you said, mindset's not the sexy stuff. Consistency is not the sexy stuff. Maintenance. Again, people don't want to focus on maintenance, but if you're not ready to put in the work for maintenance, then you're again, you will continue to ride the diet roller coaster. Can you explain what maintenance actually means? Because I think a lot of people get can get overwhelmed with what it actually means because I think a lot of people think it's remain the exact same weight, which isn't really the truth. In and around a range is probably a safer bet, but most people are like, no, I'm going to be 10 stone exactly, and that's my maintenance. Like, that's not really what maintenance means. Can you explain it? Yeah, I mean, the way that I encourage my clients um, with regards to maintenance is I, I tell them, you know, you know, basically for two weeks, weigh yourself. Okay. And then you want to get the average of those two weeks. All right. So let's say your average, you talk stones, I talk pounds, <laughs> uh, but let's say your average was 150. So your maintenance range is going to be from 150 to about 154. Okay. So that's maintenance, you know, your ability to stay between 150 and 154 is maintaining. All right. And, and that's the thing is people freak out. You know, if you gain one pound, they're like, oh my God, I gained a pound. Like 
if you gain two pounds, they're like, oh my God, I gained two pounds. I'm like, boo, you just need to poop. You know, you poop and you're down two pounds. So understanding that maintenance is a range is really key. And, you know, what I tell my clients is, I mean, because we talk a lot about taking diet breaks and reverse dieting, you know, you can't live in a caloric deficit, you know, for your entire life. Uh, Once you get to your goal weight, you have to build back up your metabolism Um, or there's periods where you hit plateaus that you have to build back up your metabolism in order to get, you know, to your next, you know, kind of goal. Um, So when you're working on that reverse dieting, maintenance, kind of diet break, it is about keeping your weight within those four pounds. Um, Let's say you've lost 100 pounds. And so I tell my clients, you know, you don't ever like don't ever let yourself go over four pounds. Okay, so give you that, you know, give yourself that range, let your body fluctuate in that range. But the minute you see that red light number, dial it in. All right. And usually what happens is, is that when you use this method of maintenance, you have to dial it in maybe once a week. So I mean, once a month. So once a month, you got to kind of dial it back. You got to, you know, kind of maybe cut your calories a little bit, be more conscious of your food choices, up your exercise, and then you get back within your range. And then you can go back to being a little bit more flex. Um, Because I feel like maintenance, you know, requires 50, 60, 70% effort, you know, to maintain, to move forward, you need 70, 80, 90, 100% effort. Um, So that strategy allows you to not feel like you're dieting forever. Yeah. So um, again, maintenance is not about staying at your lowest number, you know, for the rest of your life, you're gonna see shifts in terms of volume, fluid, you know, body weight, muscle, all of that stuff um, within, I think, about a three to four pound range. I'm going to play devil's advocate what, what you just said there in relation to when that number goes into that red zone. Is that not necessarily letting a scale tell you what to do rather than looking at your own actions? Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. And, and, but here's the thing is that I feel like we... Um, you know, it's, I think it's very easy to put on 10 pounds without feeling it. Yeah. Without, like, without, without, without the in, kind of the intent or even trying, it can't, exactly. it can't happen. All of a sudden you jump on and you're like, yeah. pounds up. you gain 10 pounds. That's fat gain. You know, yeah. that's not fluid. That's not volume. Um, and I also think that it's really easy for be, people to be, you know, like, oh, it's, it's just two pounds, you know, oh, it's just three pounds. And then it's, oh, it's just four pounds. Oh, it's just five. You know, again, it's the creep that gets people. The average woman gains two to five pounds a year, which is pretty insignificant. You know, if I put on two pounds a year, you know, it's not that much, but 10 years later, that's 20 pounds. So for me, um, I think that this strategy, um, and again, a lot of people hate the scale, but Um, For someone that's lost 100 pounds, 50 pounds, 20 pounds, you know, you need that kind of wake up call. It's like, look, I'm trending in the wrong direction. If I don't stop this trend, then I'm going to be right back to where I started. And that's what most people do. They lose 20 pounds, they gain 20 pounds. They lose 20 pounds, they gain 20 pounds. And for me, it's like if you never let yourself gain more than four pounds for the rest of your life, you maintain it's interesting that you've kind of put it at the four pounds. I probably would give a larger range of kind of like maybe in and around kind of half a stone, which is about six pounds, maybe a little bit more. Kind of if you have the skills to kind of 
go between because particularly for females i've had clients go up 13 14 pounds on a certain time of the month so for them if they're kind of limited to that four pounds that little voice in the back of their head say well i'm a failure if i had to go on up 15 pounds on this time of the month that's not what's actually happening so i think maintenance to i had simon hill on the podcast and he was talking about healthy eating what healthy eating is is it a diet is something that's or healthy eating is something that has an impact to your relationship with food right i think and i think that was something i hadn't thought about before when you think about it but i think a healthy diet is something probably that doesn't impact your relationship with yourself so if we kind of go out of that red zone and we're not necessarily educated or haven't been educated which is the, hard, the hardest problem i think the education system has failed a lot of people with a lack of an education system that if they go if they're not sure of like when the scale is going up, if they're not sure what like weeks or like weeks or in the cycle, all that kind of side of things, that if they went out of that red zone, they'd kind of like, well, I'm a failure for this. If you know yeah, what I mean. And I think I, and I totally get what you're saying, you know? Um, and I think what I like to, again, emphasize is that your green light is your average. And I think a yeah. lot of people put their green light as the lowest number they've ever seen, <laughs> you know? And so for example, I saw the lowest number I've ever seen this month but I saw it for 24 hours and then I bumped up two pounds, you know? So I, I definitely feel like identifying that green light number is very important in terms of dictating what that, what that upper number is. Because if you're basing that green light number on the lowest number you've ever seen, well, it's probably two pounds lighter than what it really should be type of thing. Um, and again, you know, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. And I think, you know, four to six pounds. I mean, I, I think, you know, you could definitely, I think that those are within the same kind of, you know, realm in yeah, terms of yeah. what we're looking at. You know, I mean, I definitely feel like once you start getting into, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pounds, it's not fluid. It's, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's something is something along the process, but it's kind of looking at what you've spoken about with the habit tracker, potentially looking back at the habit tracker and say, right, what habits have I actually dropped here? Um, do I need to kind of look at, right, when my sleep is gone or stress is gone or the kids have been sick or whatever it may be? All right. So what do I need to bring back in? I'd probably look at it from that point of view if a client was looking at that, if that all or nothing mindset of like, right, look at that habit tracker again. What have we dropped that was working? Let's bring that back in. How do we bring that back in? It's not that what you can't do. Let's look at what you can do. Because that's a big thing is like we, we, we're so busy or we identify as being busy. But if we don't prioritize ourselves, no one else is. And a lot of people are stuck in these miserable jobs they don't enjoy, but yet they're giving so much of their time efforts for that when... And I've, I love the sentence of, you're not a tree, you can move if you want. And I think it's important to look at, well, what's actually important to you? Is it kind of being present with your family or having the energy for yourself to be able to walk up the stairs or whatever it may be? Or is it to be being a busy fool and something that you don't want to enjoy? You need to find what that value factor is for yourself. And I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. I don't know if you've come across that from yourself, of that kind of like, busy-minded person or that busy working professional that kind of identity and not making themselves a priority oh it i mean it, it infuriates me you know 
Because every person will come to me with their own busy. I am I am a CEO and, uh, you know, uh, I am a busy corporate, you know, woman. And, and I'm like, OK. And then, you know, the next person is I am a I'm a stay at home mom of six kids. I am busy. I mean, everyone's busy. You know, your busy is no different than everybody else's, you know. And at the end of the day, it's um, dialing into your why. And I think that that's kind of what you're alluding to in terms of, you know, your why um, has to be really strong. And sometimes we have to take a really hard look at what matters, you know, in our life. And a lot of time, what matters does not align with where we're putting our energy and our effort. Um, And so, you know, your health and wellness may be the most important thing to you, but yet you put your job you know, your social life, you put your family, you put everything else before what technically matters. So you have to realize that, you know, right now your why for your health and wellness is not big enough. Um, So I think really kind of dialing in on that. And you mentioned willpower kind of earlier. Yeah. And I think a lot of people really run on willpower. And trust me, willpower is what's get you through January and February, why you're so successful, you know, and it's the the lack of willpower, you know, once, you know, March, April, May, summer, whatever rolls around in which you struggle because you've just been running on willpower. Well, willpower is a joke, you know, willpower will not get you through anything. Um, it's, it's again, waking up every day and being conscious of what your why is, you know, why are you making the sacrifices that you're making? Because I always say eating healthy is hard. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort because especially in the United States, we are bombarded with unhealthy choices. They're everywhere, you know? So to make the choice to eat healthy, to meal prep, to cook your food, to, you know, order the salad versus the burger and fries, you know, when you do go through the drive through whatever it may be, um, you have to have more than just willpower to do that. You have to be constantly reminding yourself that I'm doing this because I don't want to hurt when I walk up the stairs. I want to improve my diabetes. I want to play with my children. I want more energy, you know, and you have to constantly be saying that to yourself um, because the choices are hard. Yeah, well, yeah, I would. Uh, I compare like willpower to like a battery. It runs out eventually. If you say no six times, seven times, the eighth time you're going to want it. And I think it's about kind of like, well, I, if you want, like, there's a. I think there's a fine line between kind of intuitive eating, restrictive eating, and another element of eating, which I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's kind of like you don't have to barter all the time either. I think it's kind of like well do you want that burger and is it have you what what's your plan after the burger is it kind of like are you going to reset or are you just going to go that attitude of might as well have this and might as well go off off on a off on a kind of overeating episode or whatever it may be so i think it's being clear on that why and the podcast listeners will understand and resonate what that why is and understand how to get there but for yourself, you mentioned the word healthy eating. What does healthy eating mean to you? Um, to me, it's about balance. You know, I mean, again, every day that I wake up and every meal that I go into, I have these, you know, kind of foundational goals that I aim for. Um, I want to optimize my protein. 
I want to eat the rainbow. I want to get a lot of fiber. I want to eat a lot of plants. You know, that's really, you know, every meal that I'm looking at, I want to do that. But then, you know, 20% of the time, I want to eat whatever the hell I want, you know? And I think it it takes it takes a long time to get to the point to understand that, you know, you can find that balance. And, and I think you hit on this very poignantly, you know, um, some people can have, can buy Oreos and have two at the end of a meal and be fine, you know, and some people can buy Oreos and have two and then end up eating the whole package yeah. because again, they don't have, you know, I mean, I hate to use the word willpower. It's not really willpower, but they're kind of living in that might as well thinking, you know, they see two Oreos as a complete fail. So it's like, I better eat the whole box, get it out of the house and start fresh tomorrow. So I think that, you know, some people are in a better place with their relationship with food to recognize that there is balance and that they can, you know, um, have whatever they want. You know, I, I am of the mindset that all foods fit. It's just the ratio in which you eat the foods. Um, and I think some people are at a place where, you know, they can't, it's like, um, you know, uh, it, it's a trigger. It, it leads to kind of unhealthy choices. And I think that if you're someone that struggles with those types of scenarios, then your first step is to live in a healthy environment, you know, to not have a ton of trigger foods all around you all the time, you know, set yourself up for success and, you know, surround yourself with foods that are going to you know, um, align with your health and wellness goals. So I know one of the sentences that will crack, comes up in my head when you said not having those trigger foods, it's like, well, I can't have this in the house will be one of those three sentences that will come up an awful lot with the, the people that I would work with on a daily basis, but not having in some of those foods in the house is not going to solve the issue either. If you know what I mean, it's kind of finding what as you, the key word you mentioned, the B word, which is balance. It's trying to find out what that sweet point for yourself is. It's like we potentially don't have multi-packs in the house and potentially just have one bar or else go for a walk to get that bar or whatever it may be. Like I know my my thing was crisps. When I was uh, when I was about 15 kg heavier than I am now, my thing was crisps. I was like, oh, they're gluten-free. Fine. That's fine. They're healthy. Calories don't matter. I didn't even know what a calorie was at that stage. Right. Um, but it's that justification to yourself. How can we kind of be mindful of that kind of like toxic justification to ourselves of I deserve this kind of mentality that kind of creeps in. How, how do you make yourself aware of what that's happening? Um, again, just, you know, finding yourself present in that moment, um, especially when you, you know, potentially are binging or, you know, over consuming a food. I mean, for me, there are definitely three foods that I cannot keep in my house. Okay. Like I will, I, you know, it just is what it is. I what mean, I have control over all other foods except for these three. Number one is cashews. You know, I will eat the whole bag. Um, number two is, you know, Oreos. I use that as an example because again, I cannot stop. And number three is ice cream. You know, I mean, you those are, ice cream. Ice cream is my life. Well, I'm, it's kind of like what you said. 
I will have ice cream, but I will I will go get it. I will go to the ice cream shop. Okay, okay. I will buy, you know, I will buy one scoop and I will consume that and and that's balance and, yeah. and moderation. If I have a gallon of ice cream in my house, then it's a very specific, you know, flavor yeah. and everything, then I'll eat the whole gallon, you know. Um, I can't stop. So, you know, I mean, I think that it, it it's important to know our limitations and you know where where we, you know, can succeed and fail, um, you know, with regards to what you're saying, I think the biggest thing is, is to, again, it's like at the end of a meal that doesn't align with your health and wellness goals. I mean, I think that we can all get to the end of a meal and, and we say, man, why did I eat that? Why, you know, why did I do that? I think that you, you know, that's the time in which you reflect, like, Okay, why did I do that? Okay, well, I did that because I did not eat all day long. Yeah. I was busy. You know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, get my meals in. So I came into this meal starving. So here's the lesson learned. Like, don't skip meals, like have meals ready. You know, why did I do that? Well, because I drank, I drank alcohol and I got a little tipsy. So I had to eat to balance out the tipsiness. So the next time, I need to remember, like, don't drink so much because that leads to poor choices. You know, why did I do that? Because I, you know, got in a fight with my boss and he stressed me out and I use food as a coping mechanism. I need to learn to, you know, cope with my stress in a better way. So, uh, you know, and, and again, it's like you don't just end a meal after your boss yells at you and you eat a box of donuts and say, oh, OK, well, I'm good. You know, next time I'm stressed, I'm going to, you know, take a walk. I mean, it's not that easy. But for me, I think that awareness is key to, is the first step. You know why? What got you into the scenario? And then I promise you the next time, you know, your boss yells at you. You're going to remember that and you're going to say, okay, the last time he yelled at me, I went and had a, a dozen donuts, you know, and I felt like shit afterwards. So today I'm not going to do that. Like I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go talk to a friend and, you know, you make a better choice. And then the next time your boss may yell at you and you go eat a box of donuts. I mean, again, it's, it's not a perfect, you know, recovery, but, um, I think being aware of what puts you in those scenarios um, and learning strategies to avoid getting in that place again is the first step. I really like that idea of kind of awareness and kind of reflection of kind of looking at, right, this happened because I got triggered by stress or had an argument with my partner or whatever it may be, or you just didn't have enough meals throughout the day. Why do you think, like, is that whole idea of three meals, two snacks, or two, three meals, three snacks? Is that too basic for somewhere to for someone to start that doesn't necessarily want to count calories? Like, is it too basic, or do you feel it 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 can aid someone? So I am of the mindset four meals a day. Okay, okay. is kind of max is really kind of what I think it should be. Um, I think four or less, and um, really three to four, I think is the sweet spot. I think it you, potentially you could get into three meals and two snacks, depending on how early you're eating that first yeah, yeah. meal. Um, six small meals a day is the worst advice we were ever getting given. I mean, you know, people just graze. I mean, we're just, you know, we're eating all day long. And I think that what people fail to realize and, and what I see with the clients that I work with 
is that, you know, we wake up and we're like, okay, I'm going to do better today. You know, I ate like an asshole yesterday. I'm going to do better today. And we eat like birds for breakfast and lunch. And we eat like a little scoop of pretzels for snack. You know, maybe by the time we get to, to, you know, dinner, we've had like 600 calories total. Well, no, no wonder we're starving, you know? So it's like we under eat throughout the day and then we tend to overeat in the night. And so, you know, one of the strategies that I try to teach my clients is like, I want you to eat three big meals a day. You know, I want you to eat five to 600 calories at every meal. I want you eating 30 to 40 grams of protein at every meal. And I promise you, if you sit down to lunch and you eat 500 calories with 40 grams of protein, you are not going to be hungry until dinner. And that's really the key, um, you know, is to, you know, eat for fullness and, and satisfaction. When we look at meal patterns prior to the whole six small meals a day, that's how we ate. We ate breakfast a day lunch at noon, dinner at 5.30. There was no snacking. I remember, I mean, I'm 45 years old. I remember coming home from school and saying, mom, can I have a snack? And she'd say, no, you're going to ruin your dinner. And nowadays it's like we sit and yell at our kids because they don't eat dinner, but we forgot that we gave them a bowl of goldfish an hour ago. So again, the whole concept of snacking is ruining our ability to eat quality food at mealtimes. Um, and when we think of the category of snacks, there are no healthy snack foods, you know? Snacks are just junk. Um, and, you know, I think that, again, that's where, you know, we have to really kind of take a step back and get back to, again, three square meals a day with good nutrition, good volume, good protein, um, and stop with the nibbling and grazing, you know, between meals. The language around kind of weight loss, and we've kind of mentioned the F word fail or failure a few times. Why do we use that language to ourselves to kind of almost bring an element of kind of shame? Is that shame? Shame or guilt would probably be the two main things that are like, I am wrong or I, I have done something wrong by not being adherent or coherent or doing what I'm supposed to do. Why do we make it so personal when it particularly comes to like weight loss? If you make a mistake on say a soccer pitch or an American football pitch in a match, you kind of beat yourself up for a bit, but why is it about weight loss or a fitness journey that we make it so long lasting? We kind of continue to berate ourselves with the same failure stick. If you, if that makes sense. Man, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think that for so many people, they find so much success in their life, but in their health and wellness, you know, yeah. and I think that honestly, it is easier to be successful in pretty much every other aspect of your life than health and wellness. Um, I think it's one of the hardest places to find um, success. And I, and I think that our environment, um, has really contributed to that, you know, um, our policies and, you know, our, um, again, environments do not align with being healthy. Okay. They align with being sick. And so I think a lot of people just ultimately are hard on themselves because, you know, they continue to fail and, um, you know, they continue, they potentially are succeeding in, you know, kind of every other avenue of their life. I think also 
people are hard on themselves because they are only measuring success based on progress. They are only measuring success based on the scale. And if the scale is not moving, they are failing. And, you know, again, I know when, when, when you're in maintenance, I feel like the scale is important. You know, you have to have check-ins, you know, it's easy for things to get away from you. But when you're working on progress, I say, screw the scale, you know, focus on lifestyle changes, focus on consistency, focus on habits, you know, because if you focus on those things at the end of the day, the scale will follow. Um, I always tell people in January, I said this year, stop making your New Year's resolution to lose weight because you will fail. I said, if you sit down and you make your New Year's resolution to take an extra thousand steps a day, if you make your New Year's resolution to, uh, you know, consume adequate protein every day, to eat more vegetables every day, to make sleep a priority every day, to increase your strength workouts every day. Guess what? By the end of 12 months, you will have lost weight, you know, because of the the habits and the lifestyle changes that you have made consistently. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know. it's it's kind of making a more of a process orientated outcome rather than just focusing on solely on the outcome. And I think what you've mentioned there about why people may struggle and they can control their family or work or whatever maybe it's an element of control because they see that fluctuation of the scales going up and down and they're kind of like well why is this happening why am i trying to like almost dissect this and try to understand it to the, the actual the scales fluctuates <laughs> like it's kind of like why does the weather change why does the stock market change like why does the bank balance change like why does anything change we don't need logic all the time. Sometimes too much logic is what frustrates the life out of all of us. Like if we try to dissect the minutest thing of, right, right, well, so I've had a little bit more salt. Or if you, even if you understand, you under, fully understand of why the scales may go up at a certain time of the month or whatever it may be. But even if you were to step on it now and it was up, you'd be kind of like a little voice ramps up in your head. But then you're able to step aside and say, right, this is what it could be. I'm just going to go back to what I normally do and just go ahead and work forward. But that voice doesn't go away even when you know, if you know what I mean. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I have a very healthy relationship with the scale. You know, my scale can, you know, fluctuate five, seven, eight pounds. Usually I know why, you know, I can come out of a really fun weekend of living my best life and the scale will be up, you know, seven or eight pounds. And so, and and I know that as long as I dial it in and, you know, get back to what I do consistently, it will be back down, you know, four or five pounds in the next, you know, seven to 10 days. But for so many people, you know, they see that they come off a vacation and they're like, holy cow, I've gained five pounds. It took me two months to lose five pounds and it took me one week to gain it. And, And then that's the mindset of like, I suck. I'm a failure. This is never going to work versus, you know, kind of realizing, well, no shit. I gained 10, five pounds. I just went to, you know, an all inclusive resort and drank every day and ate all the things, you know, I just need to get back on track and then I'll be right back to where I am. But, you know, people take it just so personally and, and again, just beat themselves up and feel like a failure um, because of those swings. 
was Dappen taught us to bring that shame on ourselves, though, from like certain clubs or from potentially media or from particularly for I know it's not great for men either, but for women particularly over like you've been like I know the Marilyn Monroe movie or whatever it is is coming out on Netflix in the next day or so. Like it used to be like you need to look like Marilyn Monroe. Then it was like right, Cindy Crawford or then it was like Kate Moss. Now you need to look like Kim K. It's kind of like you've always had something and if you're not looking or conforming to the norm, it's kind of like, well, you're going to beat yourself with that stick. Do the media have a massive role in what the what's going on right now or is it a case yeah, of I mean, we should have kind of brought our own tools in to protect ourselves. No, absolutely. I mean, I do feel like that there has been a huge shift in just the last 12 to 18 months with regards to body positivity. And I do think it's important that, you know, all body types are represented, you know, because just because you're overweight does not mean you're unhealthy. I mean, that's period. You can be skinny fat, which means you're of a normal weight and you are extremely unhealthy and you can, you know, carry an extra 20, 30, 40 pounds and be metabolically sound. So it's, you can't gauge weight, you know, based uh, in terms of a a view of health um, because it just doesn't work like that. Uh, So I do think it's gotten better, but I do think, you know, obviously there's always this underlining, you know, kind of um, um, thought process. I mean, especially just for women is that we feel like, you know, the leaner you are, the more attractive you are, the healthier you are. And even though that we, you know, more body types are represented, it's still, you know, I think everyone will still always achieve to be as skinny as they possibly can. You know, I even see that with clients when they reach their goal weight, I'm like, don't be greedy. Okay. You know, they're six months in, they're 12 months in, they finally got to their goal weight. You know, I'm encouraging them to focus on maintenance, reverse diet, but they're greedy. They're like, well, you know, if I can get to 150, what would it be like if I got to 140? And that was one question I've written down here is the whole, I'll be happy when I get to, I'll be happy when I get to a certain weight. And you're kind of like, well, as humans, we want more. And we actually get the dopamine, which is the reward hormone, during the process. We don't necessarily get it when we get to the destination. How do you break that down with clients, though, of the whole thing of dissecting you won't be happy when? Or yeah, right. how, do you, how do you kind of break that news that I'm subtly, rather than you're not going to be happy? I mean, oh, you know, again, that's that's um a, a challenging one yeah so i think that, it's the hardest question you ask is that uh, is a, the hardest one you know a really deep dive into you know so and i think that 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 conversation is probably even more relevant during that maintenance phase you yeah. know okay so now you're here and initially you feel really good like it has solved all your problems because you have so many people commenting, like, yeah. oh my God, you look so good. What, you know, holy cow, congratulations, you know, but eventually they've seen you like, you know, the, the, the claps stop that positive reinforcement that you're constantly hearing, you know, kind of stops that, you know, that's the motivation is for people to be talking about how good you look and blah, blah, blah. So now you're just, that's just your normal. And, you know, you've lost 50 pounds, everyone's seen you and, and now you're maintaining it. You don't get that constant, you know, positive feedback because that's who you are now. 
So then that's when you start to, you know, sink into, okay, well, why am I still not happy? You know, is it because, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, it's because it wasn't the way to begin with. Um, And I think that that's also, you know, really key to maintenance is, you know, can you do the things you need to do when the applause stops? when the comments stop, when, you know, again, when you don't see that progress to motivate you, um, because you have to work just as hard in maintenance as you do, you know, kind of weight loss. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, when that kind of like that applause, or that validation kind of goes away a little bit, you're kind of like, you're left with your own thoughts, you're kind of like, well, I did this to get this. And now I have it. Why am I still not happy? Yeah, the validation has to come from the individual. Yeah. And that your why. Is, uh, yeah, the why has to be clear, the values have to be clear, the validation and giving yourself that little pat on the back. As Irish people, we're not amazing for doing it. Like we're very hard on ourselves. We're kind of like we have been struggled for years and oppression for years. And we're kind of like if someone's doing well in Ireland, it's kind of like oh, they've got a little bit high. Oh, they've got a little high and mighty. So it's kind of like, yeah, it, that validation thing is is huge. And I think a book that I would always recommend clients to read or anyone to read is Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff it's okay. an amazing it's an amazing book and there's exercises in it and one of the hardest self-compassion yeah self-compassion okay cool I'm gonna check it out and in that book um it has 10 name 10 things that you like about yourself but they can't be based off what other people think you get to number one and it after that it's a very difficult exercise because everything else like oh I'm funny I'm kind I'm like no but you need to dig deeper they're all superficial and they're not what you like about yourself they're what other people like about you and it's really hard exercise really hard i've had a few clients do it and they get to number one or two and they're like i i'm out of i'm out of here i don't know what to do and you kind of delve in a little bit more and you're kind of like well ask your kids what they like about you and the kids is like we just like you yeah and it's like it's so simple like kids i i have the least like they're they're very very intelligent but yeah. they say this most simple the least thing judgmental you know the least the most open in terms of everything yeah yeah embrace your inner child um thank you so much for coming on amanda we went down rabbit holes that i didn't expect to go down but we we uh we got there so thank you so much for coming on where can people find out about the ted talk where can people find about you on socials and where can people find about the habit tracker that you were mentioning a moment ago yeah, so good to be here. Um, you know, uh, follow me on social media. It's Amanda Nybert, RD. Um, I'm sure you'll put the information in the show notes. Yep. Um, check out my website. I actually have a, a section with tons of free guides uh, regarding macros and habit tracking, um, fasting, meal plans, things like that. So download as many as you want. And then um, I guess we'll link my TED Talk. It's on you know, the TEDx page. Um, and again, I just encourage you guys as you, you know, go through your journey, you know, focus on the, you know, the small things, the small habits that you can do every single day that in the long run will have, you know, the biggest impact. Yeah. It's focusing on the process, be clear on your why and not beating yourself with a stick are the three messages I took out of this episode. So Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. So good. Thank you. I really, really hope you enjoyed that episode with Amanda and took, kind of took something from it in relation to the all or nothing mindset and how to reduce the impact that it has on your life and how to challenge it. There's a lot in there. So if you want to listen back to it, 
please go ahead and do it. If you're interested in working with me in the Female Fat Loss Program starting on the 14th of November, click in the link below. If you're interested in working with me one-to-one, click on the link below and we'll happily get up on a, a call for yourself, a welcome call, and we can talk about things and talk about your goals. So I hope you guys have enjoyed that episode with Amanda. As always, if you enjoy it, please tag us, please share it amongst your friends, please re- re- leave a review up on iTunes. So thank you so much for listening to the episode.